Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Alan Parks, welcome to Human Stories. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Tony. How are you? Good, I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Now, um, I want to talk to you about um, your alpaca uh, enterprise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Basically, from what I understand, you you moved to Spain from England and you set up an alpaca business. Um, So we'll go on to that in just a second. Can you tell me a bit about your background? What did you do before you did that? Okay, so you... um you would kind of imagine that I was in animals or I was in some sort of veterinary area, but I was actually a manager for the old Littlewood stores. You remember Littlewood stores before they all turned into sort of Primarchs? I was a manager for one of those stores. Okay. Um, so I had no farming experience or anything like that. I just used to deal with customers basically coming in and moaning all the time. That's, that's a hellish job. Yes, retail's not a good place to be. <laughs> Dealing with the public, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know I've been you know, in radio all my life, so uh, I know what it can be like, but um, at least I'm in a studio you know, with a door locked. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you do get the occasional good ones, but generally people that are coming in to talk to you when you're in that kind of position aren't coming in to tell you how wonderful you are, aren't coming in to tell you how good good a job you've done generally <laughs> yeah well that's a shame but there you go well, well how long did you do that for well i what about 10 10 12 years i suppose i was quite young when we decided to move to spain i, I we moved to spain before my 30th birthday so it was quite quite young really okay right so tell me what um, made you move to spain first okay so um my partner and I used to live in Peacehaven, which is just outside Brighton in uh, East Sussex. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had great life, uh, quite cosmopolitan. Brighton's quite a cosmopolitan place. Obviously, anyone that knows Brighton's quite like that. Um, my partner was a dance teacher for a very long time, and she developed an autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis, uh, which uh, for her... Uh, sort of culminated in a problem with her lungs. It was causing her difficulty breathing and stuff like that. So she was actually having to contemplate stopping being a dance teacher. Um, And we needed to do something different. We just needed to do something like completely change our life. I was in retail. I'd been made redundant once. And it's so easy to just go back into retail. You know, if you do retail, it's easy to go back into retail. It's what you know um, and that type of thing. And... About two years before that, I'd lost my dad. So I'd always had a bit of a seize-the-day seize the attitude, let's do something, don't don't sort of wait and all that kind of thing. So we um, we talked uh, and it was like, look, Lorna, my other half, said to me, don't think I can be a dance teacher for much longer. Um, and then we need to talk about alpacas in Spain in the same breath, really. Um, because it all came about in one huge decision, but essentially I wanted to I wanted to move to Orlando. We'd been on holiday to Orlando um, with family and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've ever been to Orlando, but people that have been and been to all the theme parks and stuff, 
there's guys that walk around selling Coca-Cola or Pepsi and they just shout Pepsi, Pepsi, ice cold Pepsi. And I was like, I'll do that. Let's go and live in Orlando. I'll just do that. That'd be fine. That'd be great. Um, But Lorna's kids are grown up and, um, you know, it's a long way. Mm, Essentially, Florida, Orlando, it's a long way away. Um, You can't just jump on a flight for two hours and get back and visit and stuff like that. Um, So we started talking about Spain. And that's basically where the idea came about. And why did you want to leave the UK? Um, It wasn't necessarily particularly about leaving the UK. It was more about leaving the area where Lorna's previous dance school was because she didn't want to be known as the person that had stopped being a dance teacher. She would have always been Lorna the dance teacher. Mm. We would have seen people from her school around, uh, they would all oh, come back to the, teach dancing, you know, come and see me and all that sort of thing. So it, was, it wasn't necessarily about, about Spain or anything like that. Spain was the decision that we made. Spain was easy to get to, easy jet flights, um, and basically really good weather. That's yeah. how Spain came about. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I know what Orlando's like because I did some radio shows from Disney. In, oh in, wow! In Florida, yeah, years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of tropical weather there. You know, when it rains, it really rains, and when it's hot, it's really hot. Isn't it? Yeah, well, we always used to visit in the wind. Well, sort of November, December, sort of time, coming up to Christmas, and it used to be that you'd wake up in the morning. It rained in the night, but then the weather was beautiful during the day. Mm-hmm. So we were like, "Oh, I could live like this. That would be nice." <laughs> it's perfect. I always said that uh, God or whoever. Uh, should have fixed it. So, you know, as you say, it's a bit like cleaning the streets of London. It happens overnight, and then when you wake up, everything's lovely, you know. So it should yeah, rain overnight perfect. and be sunny during the day. Okay. I mean, where we used to live in the UK, we um we actually had uh, a house on the top of a cliff, so we had 180-degree sea views. Wow. But, of course, I, I don't know, 75% of the year it's raining. So you don't yeah. get to make the most of that anyway. No, that's true. Okay, so off you went to Spain, and then um, what happened? happened about the alpacas well we'd met an alpaca um we used to do these city breaks once a year we'd go on city break normally in the middle of winter normally ridiculous sort of places like well not ridiculous places but we'd like visit prague but in the middle of winter and it'd be snowing and you know we'd be sort of walking around zoos and stuff and it'd be terrible um but we'd met a zoo uh, met an alpaca in prague zoo and um this strange creature had come over to us and um, we'd never seen one before and he he was a bit of a sorry state of an alpaca. We didn't know that at the time, but he um, he was really friendly. He was on his own, which alpacas shouldn't be on their own. And he came over to us and he was like friendly, wanted some food and stuff like that. And then we just started seeing them everywhere we went, literally. Because we were zoo people, we'd do farm visits and stuff like that. We just started seeing these alpacas everywhere and they're really curious creatures both in terms of if you've never seen an alpaca they're this strange thing that looks like a sheep with a stretched neck um they're sort of friendly but they're not friendly like they'll come over to you they'll see you and they'll look right in your eyes but they won't want to be touched and it's just really weird um and i started looking into alpacas just googling and stuff like that because we were seeing them all the time and it turned out that in 2007, which was when we made the decision, they were huge business. Like, I'm talking a lot of money in the UK. They, they were selling for a lot of money. And it was literally just starting in Spain. Someone had moved their farm over 
from the UK, uh, brought all their animals over, and we were like, wow, we could do that. We could be pioneers of the industry in Spain and Europe and all that type of thing. Um, so that was how it was driven, really. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they were just like, we were just like, wow, how cool would breeding alpacas be? That sounds like a really amazing thing to do, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, uh, there's some near where we live um, as well, not too far away, you know, which you can see in the field sometimes. Um, I can't remember where they are, but, yeah, not too far away. Um, They've spread so, out quite a lot over Europe, especially, particularly actually in France. There's quite a lot sort of moving across France. All right. So um, you've got an alpaca business now. What is the business? I mean, do you uh, do you breed them and then sell them on, or do you um, harvest their their fur or hair, or what? What is the business? So initially, when we first moved here, our plan was to breed them and sell them on. Um, so. As you say, there's some near you. Uh, obviously, they would have bought them from someone. Uh, and te- you, what you tend to do is spend a couple of years breeding. Then you take the best ones of those animals and you would sell on your initial animals to someone else to do the same thing. Um, when we moved here, so we moved to Spain in January 2008. It was literally the start of the, the big financial crisis everywhere. Um and we had this vision that we would be selling our alpacas on to other expats and people like that. Um, but at that time, all the expats were basically leaving in droves, like leaving Spain because no one had any money. Um, and the Spanish people around us, we live literally in the middle of nowhere. We're about two hours from Malaga. Um, we live off grid. We've got no electricity and all that kind of thing. But we have... We have Spanish farmers around us, and they're really interested in the alpacas, but they consider them to be like a goat. So they'll come up to me and they'll say, I want to buy one of your alpacas, um, but they'll just get a 20 euro note out of their wallet and say, you know, there you go, I want to buy my your alpaca for this 20 euro note. <laughs> you're like, well, no, you're not. You know, that's not going to be a sustainable business. No. Um, so we kind of had to move away from the idea to breed alpacas. And what we've gone into is, and it's sort of evolved over a number of years, we do what we call alpaca experiences. So people will come here as a family. Um, we, Like I say, we live in an old olive mill. It's off-grid. So um, it's not come here and play on your Xbox and stuff like that. It's come here, live a sort of more basic life for a couple of days. And we'll take the alpacas out for a walk. We'll let the kids go and collect the eggs from the chickens. All that sort of basic stuff. Mm, brilliant. And we call it an alpaca experience. And, you know, people get to, you know, you, we've got photos of two and three-year-old kids walking alpacas. And, they, you know, they, they really, like, work really well in conjunction with little tiny children. Mm. And that's kind of what we do now. Now we're finding that we're getting a lot of Spanish people in their 20s want to come and walk our packets. Like I said, like they're the, the next generation, if you like, of Spaniards. Not our local old farmers, but the people from a couple of hours away are wanting to come and walk our packets, take their girlfriend for a walk for our packets for birthday presents and stuff like that. Mm. So our packets are becoming really, really fashionable. Right. And um, we're just sort of 
riding that wave, if you like, at the moment. I must just say at the moment to uh, people listening to this that uh, there's some scratching noises in the background, <laughs> and that is not an alpaca. <laughs> it's no, one, of, my, one of your dogs. Um, my partner is trying to stop him, but he's a very anxious dog. That's okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. No problem at all. I just need to explain it to people listening, thinking something wrong with their headphones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's lovely. All right. So how many people can you accommodate at your alpaca experience? Uh, so for overnight stays, we sleep up to six people or possibly seven if there's a baby or if someone wants to sleep on the sofa or like that. We have had up to 10 people. When we've had returning people come back, we've had them say to us, um, can we bring camp beds hmm. <laughs> can we bring camp beds um and we're gonna you know bring two families and they actually bring camp beds and like they've got kids lined up in the living room do you know what i mean they're like it's really crazy that's great i mean most of our clients actually come from an american military base there's an american military base about three hours from us and um they don't think anything of driving three three and a half hours to get somewhere um whereas the uk expats down on the coast often they'll go oh three hours a bit far for us mm, really yeah so that's kind of what we do yeah that's fantastic now tell me about looking after alpacas are they difficult to look after well that's the thing they're um they're monumentally easy to look after when there is no problems happening okay so like alpacas are they're herd animals so they they come from peru originally and you Anyone that's ever seen an alpaca or seen a TV program about alpacas or anything like that, you will see them wandering around the Altiplano in Peru um, in huge herds, and we're talking thousands of animals. Wow. So if one gets sick or one gets ill, they they hide in the herd. Like So they're protected, protected. by the herd around them. Okay. Yeah, they, they just sort of go into sort of self-preservation mode, if you like. Mm. When they're in the wild in Peru, they have uh, predators, uh, like uh, mountain lions, I think, is the main one in Peru. Um, so they're basically trying to avoid getting eaten by these mountain lions. So they sort of go into the herd and they don't show any signs of being sick or anything like that. So the main problem we've come across uh, with alpacas is that they hide being ill. So if they hide being ill, you don't know that they're ill until they're really, really sick. Yeah. Um, I know a human. So I know a human being like that. Well, to be honest, we all try and be a bit like that, don't we? I mean, people say man flu and all that, but mm. we all do, none of us want to be um, want to be sort of vulnerable. But no. um, so we have okay. had we have lost some alpacas because it, as soon as you see one get ill, it's basically too late almost. Mm. Um, and that sort of I'm not sure what the word is, but that on top of the fact that alpacas are very new in Spain, so there's not a lot of vets that have a lot of knowledge about yeah. alpacas and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, we've been really lucky because where we live, the vet in our local town speaks a little bit of English. Um, so we've always had quite a good relationship with him because not many people in our town do speak English. And um, he was always very willing to learn about alpacas. As soon as we came here, we went to visit him before the alpacas came to our farm. Um, we said, we're going to be having these alpacas. Would you be happy to help us care for them? Um, and he even went on an English-speaking course to learn a bit about alpacas and yeah. that type of thing. So there's, these days, I mean, it's not the days that it was 10 years ago, 12 years ago when we moved here. Nowadays, there's so much information on social media. There's so many alpaca people on social media. We, if we, 
Sorry about that. <laughs> um, if we have a problem or a symptom, we can go on social media and talk to other alpaca farms mm. and be able to say, this seems to be what the issue is. Can yeah. you tell me what you would do in this situation? Then we can discuss it with our vet. And I should imagine so, people come to you as well because you've been doing it quite a while now. So you're sort of experts in your field as well to a certain extent. It, yeah, in some ways. I don't think I don't think there's many people that are experts as such totally because they've only actually been around alpacas domesticated in the UK and in the US for about 30, 35 years. Mm. Um so there's not really, I mean, it's getting better all the time, but there's not really a huge knowledge base or an experience base. Like, for example, when we started, when we had our alpacas, uh, the life expectancy of an alpaca on a farm was 15 to 20 years. Um, now they're talking 20 to 25 years because in comparison to Peru, when an alpaca comes to a farm, they tend to get better nutrition. Uh, they more grass um, we we don't have grass because we live in spain it's the hottest place in the world where we live <laughs> so we have to buy in hay and stuff like that mm, i was but going to ask you what example, they eat sorry i was going to ask you what they eat yeah so we buy in alfalfa hay and um, oat hay uh, that's what we buy for the alpacas and then they also get a feed as well in the uk where obviously was our first port of call when we started learning about alpacas they're on grass all day so you don't necessarily have to supply them with a lot of hay or anything like that in the uk there's quite a lot of fat alpacas because they just eat all the time there's just grass all the time in the uk whereas what we have here would be more akin to what there is in peru right and you can control their diet because you're giving them their food essentially yes obviously Mm. there are times of the year where um we have essentially two springs in Spain. I don't know if it's the same in France for you. Um, autumn here is really like a second spring. Yeah. Uh, so the minute you get past the really hot summer and you get the first rain, then everything starts growing again. So obviously there are times of year where weeds are growing, grass is growing, and they do get a bit of fresh stuff. But, yeah, essentially most of the year we can control what they're eating. If you want to bring them over to ours, then we've got a, a nice unmowable grass lawn. <laughs> Which is on a Unmowable. well, it's on a steep hill and it's full of uh, stones, full of uh, flint. So oh, really? it, yeah, you can't mow it with a with a normal mower, so you have to strim it, and it's a real pain. So <laughs> there must be some goats nearby. I get some well, goats coming. Yeah, the trouble with goats is, as you might know, is they eat everything and everybody. So. That is true. Yeah. So yeah, okay. How many have you got? How many alpacas? Uh, well, we started with. Uh, well, we bought initially. We bought four pregnant female alpacas. Uh, as I said, we had a few problems. Uh, then we got it up to five males and four females, and now we've only got five males and two females. So it's a very small alpaca farm. We stopped breeding because that wasn't uh, working as an income source for us, and we couldn't just keep breeding and keep breeding. Mm. Because well, it just well, no one was going to be there to buy them, and financially it was ridiculous to just keep breeding and stuff like that. So, do you have um, to have the the males neutered or something so that you don't? Uh, well, we keep them separate. Oh, okay. Because even if you have the males neutered, if you keep them with females, they sort of have the instinct to still try and sure. um, try it on with the female or whatever, and that can cause injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, ours actually aren't neutered because, and again, I don't know in comparison to france what it's like but 
um, here in Spain don't really like neutering animals. Um, they will do your dog if you take the dog to the yeah. vet and stuff like that. They will do it. But generally, horses that are in the fields and stuff, they're generally not neutered or anything like that because they believe, crazily, that um, emotionally it upsets the animal and stunts them and all that kind of thing, which is ridiculous. But yeah. it's how it is. We have cats that, that are snipped. <laughs> oh, uh, cats, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, it's much easier, obviously, with a cat or a dog to take them to the vet and get yeah, them snipped. Exactly. In our town, uh, stray cats or feral cats are um, can be a problem. So, you know, because they reproduce and uh, yeah. then they become a nuisance. So uh, the town council occasionally gets uh, somebody to go around and round them up and neuter them all and re- then re-release them all. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I mean, you can you can neuter alpacas. It's quite an easy procedure, but again, not really with the vets not really knowing what how to do it and stuff like that. There's mm. there's different ways of sedating them with yeah. not putting them to sleep and that. I'd just be nervous about sort yeah. of too risky. You know, a, yeah, no, I mean, not huge risk or anything like that. Just makes me nervous. And if they don't need to be neutered, they're not causing problems with each other. They have a bit of a rough and tumble sometime. It's not really an issue. No. Uh, do you have to uh, build um, a hut or a shelter for them? And so we were lucky that when we moved to this farm, uh, there was previously some horses here. So there was already a shelter there. Um, so we did. We have sort of accommodated that for them. Yeah. Uh, where we live, again, so we live uh, near a city called Cordoba. Um, it is literally the the hottest place ever recorded in Spain. Um, last year, I think it was, uh, well, our town recorded an average temperature in the shade one day of 48.3 degrees. Um, so, but, I mean, it's not humid where we live. No, dry heat. So, I mean, you know, you can kind of cope with it. Um, uh, so our main issue with the alpacas isn't wind, rain, or anything like that. It's keeping them out of the heat. Right. Um, and... Keeping them in shade is very difficult. They don't really like to be under the shelter or anything like that. You've they got tend a, to sit got, next to a wall. You've got a cat now. I can hear a cat. <laughs> yeah, but at least that's not as bad as scratching. <laughs> you should that's, have fed you're the cat. A good insight into my life. <laughs> I know you should have fed the cat before the interview. I must put that on my interview advice notes. You know, before uh, before your interview on human stories. Feed the cat. <laughs> make Feed sure the, the dog's okay. Put the dog to bed. <laughs> and make sure the alpaca's out of the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Um, so how do people find out about your business? Have you got a website? Uh, no, we actually, we were getting so little traction from websites and stuff like that. We just do everything on Facebook. Social media these days is so huge. Mm. Uh, we've got a page on Facebook called Experience Alpacas in Andalusia. And we've got an Instagram, which is Alpaca Trek Andalusia. Yeah. And we just do everything through that. It's just natural. It's organic. Yeah. Um, well, a Facebook page is like a website. So that's good. It is, yeah. And you can put as much information on there and mm. you get that connectivity with yeah, people. Yeah, interaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So, um, well, put that um, in text um, when this gets published on Human Stories yeah, for you. And um, thank you so much for, for t- talking to me about uh, alpacas. It's been fascinating. You're very welcome. <laughs> and I must, <clears throat> excuse me, I must come down and see them and walk with them. That would be great, yeah. You could do a live interview with one. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, I have interviewed 
some strange people in my time, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Animals, perhaps not. Okay, Alan, thank you so much for talking to me on Human Stories. Thank you. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.